Hey, 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 welcome back to A Quarter and a Crisis. I'm your host, Kijana. I think we've established that I don't care for the term or the verbiage, I'm your host, but I have come to the conclusion that that is the correct etiquette, so I'm going to continue to say it. Hey, how are you? How's your day? I'm actually recording this the day that it's supposed to be posted, which simply means I did not keep my end of the engagement, and I did not post this when it was supposed to be. One day, I will get it right on time, but that day is not today. I'm currently sitting in my office that I have been making over all week long. I've been home furniture in and out of this spare bedroom that I have in my apartment because I want to get it ready for a filming component of the podcast along with other topics and other things. In other words, I'm starting a YouTube channel in this new year and I want to have a place where I feel comfortable and excited to film it. So with that, with school ending, with work ending and the kids out for the holidays, I kind of I'm dealing with a little bit of a sense of burnout, which we are not talking about work-life balance today, but we will be very soon in an upcoming podcast episode. I asked you guys to vote on topics that you would like to hear me discuss on the podcast on my Instagram story. There were three different topics that I asked you guys to vote on. If you're not following me on Instagram yet, by the way, what are you doing? You can find me on Instagram at Kijana and at a quarter in a crisis. But the three topics that I asked you guys to vote on was work-life balance, achieving connection without compromise, and friendship advice. And achieving connection without compromise won by a landslide with friendship advice and work-life balance neck and neck. But friendship advice did win over work-life balance. But now you know the very two next podcasts that we will be doing. So if you don't want to miss those topics, I would suggest that you subscribe to the show right now. Okay, okay, let's get into the heart of the matter. Connection without compromise. The first thing that I want you to realize when I say compromise I'm not talking about compromising between two individuals. As a matter of fact, I hate the term compromise when it comes to two different people trying to work out an outcome between them. And the reasoning for that is because when you compromise, there are two losers. So I want us to reframe our thinking when it comes to the word of compromise and reframe that into collaboration. You collaborate with a person to engineer an outcome that serves both of you guys, not you resign or concede to an outcome where you both feel like losers. And this is just a little bit of free game. This is not the compromising that I'm going to be talking about today, but I want to give you the Merriam-Webster definition of each of these words to really drive home my point. So compromise, according to Merriam-Webster herself, is to come to an agreement by mutual concession. When you say the word concession, which is the act of conceding, is accepting or acknowledging defeat. And if you're approaching the outcome or if you're approaching an outcome between you and your partner with the idea or the feeling of defeat, both of you guys are going to feel like losers. Neither one of you are going to feel like you have ownership over the outcome, which really drives in my point of it's a necessity that we reframe the vocabulary that we use to approach relationships. Merriam-Webster says collaboration or to collaborate is to work jointly with others or together to produce or to create something. And one of the most important feelings in your relationship is having ownership over something that you are creating with another person. And that is why I say collaborate when it comes to two individuals trying to work together 
to secure an outcome. However, there is a type of compromising that takes place when you are seeking to achieve a connection, and that is the compromising of self. And so you ask, what exactly does it mean to compromise myself? If you have to leave your body to be with somebody else, then they aren't the somebody for you. If you notice when you are together, you are not connected to yourself, then there is a chance that self-compromising is happening. To compromise yourself is when you are in a situation, when you accept something slightly different from what you really truly want because of circumstances or because of people who you want to please want something else. So you consider their wishes before you consider your own. The number one thing that you need to keep in the forefront of your mind when you are approaching and seeking connection is you are looking for an equal, not a project. You are looking for someone who takes care of themselves and has the capacity and emotional bandwidth to take care of you too. Someone on your level that you can respect and vice versa. Do not fall for potential. Now, self-compromising doesn't only happen in romantic relationships. It also happens in friendships. And I'll touch on that in the Friendship Advice podcast. For this episode, I really want to focus on the romantic connection and the correlation of self-compromise that happens with seeking and wanting a connection with someone that you are romantically interested in. And before we jump into this, I want to read a quote by Osha. I found it very insightful and helpful for me, so hopefully it will be the same for you. It says, the capacity to be alone is the capacity to love. It may look paradoxical to you, but it's not. It is an existential truth. Only those people who are capable of being alone are capable of love of sharing, of going into the deepest core of another person without possessing the other, without becoming dependent on the other, without reducing the other to a thing, and without becoming addicted to the other. They allow the other absolute freedom because they know that if the other leaves, they will be as happy as they are right now. Their happiness cannot be taken by the other because it was not given to them by the other. Oftentimes when we are seeking romantic connection, that is our main focal point. That is where our focus is. That is where all of our energy is going. And we are so interested in being able to achieve connection with another person. And sometimes it honestly is just to say, I'm connected to another individual. To circumvent this from happening in your love life or your journey to finding a romantic relationship, you have to really know what you want. I've learned quite recently that a lot of us know what we don't want. So we're running into everything that is not that one thing that we truly don't want. But when asked, what is it that we want? We have a hazy picture, not necessarily really clear. We just know for sure what we really, really don't want. And unfortunately, that is not a place where we are going to be able to obtain what we want and need from a relationship. So the very first thing that I would suggest to anyone that is looking for a romantic connection, figure out what you need what your core needs are. And be honest with yourself because playing cool or playing like you don't need a lot is actually you operating in a false reality. If you want to live a full life and you want to have a connection that honors you and values you fully, 
you have to tell the truth because anything that is held together by playing small or turning your volume down, it's only secure when you are not you. And in that, you will be performing because yes, there will be a sense of quote unquote security, but you won't feel safe to be yourself. So when you speak your truth, when you figure out your truth, all of the relationships that are in your life, they're either going to fracture or they're going to deepen. The connection that holds our relationships will either break or expand. Either way, you're going to be set free when you are operating in your truth, when you know what your needs are, when you know what you want, and when you know that you're not going to stop until it looks exactly like what you want. And I know this can sound discouraging because it's like, how do I figure out what I want? To figure out what you really, really want, you have to get to know yourself intimately. And if you're not in an environment to do that, it's going to be very hard and difficult to cultivate that safety or cultivate that space of safety for yourself to get to know yourself. And if I'm being honest, the quickest way that I figured out what I need from a relationship was from dating a lot of different people. And when I say dating, I honestly mean dating. It was a very casual dating situation. We would go on dates, we would talk, we would talk on the phone, we would text. There wasn't a whole lot of depth there, but there was enough of them mirroring myself back to me for me to realize what I needed in a relationship. And so in that, I began to build boundaries and standards. And I know I always talk about boundaries and I always talk about standards, but these are going to be your ticket into the door. These are also going to be what keeps you safe. So I said in an earlier podcast, or I said in the last episode, because there's only one other episode that I've done, that you need to create a system of boundaries and standards that only allow people into your life that honor and value you fully. Now, I cannot tell you which boundaries to create that will keep you safe because they are definitely are a very personal thing, but I can give you an example of some of my boundaries. And the reason why I'm doing this is because I hate talking about something without giving you an example. I think that's the teacher in me, but I want to give you a real life application. So in that, here are some of the boundaries that I have that I need to operate in safety and security in my romantic connection. Integrity has to be their most important value. And the reasoning for that is because if a person does not have integrity, they are always going to put themselves before you and they're always going to want the outcome that benefits them the best. Another boundary that I have is they have to be compassionate and they have to be able to employ empathy because compassion says, I hear you. I put myself in your shoes and empathy says, I feel you. Your experience is my own, meaning they are going to create a space of safety for you. And if they aren't able to create that space, they're going to try their very best to create that space. Another one is they have to understand the basic human decency principles, respect, loyalty, kindness, honesty. And the reasoning for that is because when I get into a relationship, like I said earlier, I'm not looking for a project. I'm looking for my equal. And if I have these basic decency human principles or these basic human decency principles, I expect you to also have those because I'm not your parent and I don't need to teach you how to be a better human 
that is a journey that you very much have to go on yourself. And hopefully, you know, one day you do get it and you get it together. And if you don't, then good luck and good riddance. Moving on, they must be dependable. I have learned that I need dependability. I need to be able to depend on you like you are able to depend on me. And the reasoning for that is because I've had times in the past where I have been the dependable friend. I have been the friend that you can call up and say, hey, I need a ride here and I need a ride there. And after we're done doing that, can you take me to the store and then can you take me back home? And I've done that out of the kindness and generosity of my heart, not keeping score, not keeping tabs. But when the time has come for me to need something from them, their phone was on do not disturb and they couldn't be bothered. And I learned that that builds resentment in me. For other people, it might be different, you know, those people that are perfect. But for me, I'm very much human. And I was like, hey, 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 wait, hold on. You can count on me, but I cannot count on you. And a very last one, since we're not here all day, they have to be committed to being the very best version of themselves. And the reasoning for this is because they will be willing to be held accountable and responsible for their actions. So if they do something that hurts you or they do something that harms you or they do something that was just shady and like, hey, this is not okay, fix it. They're going to be willing to be responsible and take ownership of their actions and being held accountable. I don't know if you've ever met a person who will not take accountability of their actions, will not take ownership of what they've done. And everything that they did was because something happened to them and life is just happening to them and they're not happening to life. Those people are very frustrating. And you don't want to be frustrated in a romantic connection. You want to have safety and security. Now, boundaries are not meant to keep people out of your life. They're not meant to penalize people. They're there simply to keep you safe. And once you invite someone into your life, you will see that they will begin to morph into a way that allows this person to exist in intimacy with you. We often build our boundaries up like a little fortress around us, keeping the entire world out. And that's just honestly emotional unavailability disguised as self-awareness. Boundaries is a way of saying, I love you, but this doesn't make me feel good. And I want to feel good with you because I love you. They're not a form of punishment. And so, and to not fall into self-compromising behaviors, you have to be able to assert your limits with someone you adore because it's a necessary display of love. Relationships or romantic connections with others are designed to provide us with company, support, and feedback. They're not designed to become our main avenue of assurance that we're worthy and competent as human beings. And in this, when we rely on our relationships, to become our main avenue of assurance, then we start dabbling in what we would call self-compromising behaviors. And those behaviors look something like this. You don't prioritize any you time, any me time. There is no time that you are spending with yourself getting to know yourself continually because you'll never fully know yourself. No one can say, oh, I've arrived. I I know who I am inside and out because we're constantly growing as individuals and humans. And if you're not, then maybe, you know, you should do a little bit more inner work to figure out what's blocking that growth. If you've noticed that you start abandoning your social life, So you used to have friends, you used to go out with your friends all the time, but now you're waiting for their call. You're waiting for them to make plans with you and you don't make plans because you don't want to have plans to cancel 
when they hit you up last minute, or even worse, you will cancel those plans last minute to hang out with them. Another self-compromising behavior is your partner is your sole focus. Everything that you do is for them or for the idea of us. You gravitate towards the clothes that they like you in, the foods and drinks that they enjoy, and the activities that they prefer. You feel entirely responsible for their happiness and feelings, and you adopt those as your own. Beyond general concern for your partner's life and well-being, you are obsessed with meeting every need and solving every problem. That is not your burden to bear. Yes, you want to be a partner. Yes, you want to pull your weight. But like I said earlier, it is not your job or anyone's job to parent a person into better. That is a self-journey of actualization that they have to go on for themselves. And in the same vein of that, you've replaced I, me, and mine with we, us, and ours. And I'm not saying to not become a unit because that is one of the most beautiful things that you can do. Marriage is literally looking at a person and saying, I promise to witness every high and every low and to stick by your side. But if your relationship does not have the emotional intimacy to hold that depth, and that person is not also operating in this unit mindset, and they're not being intentional with your time or their time, and it's still very much a I'm for me, myself, and I, and you're trying to adopt we, us, and ours, there's going to be an imbalance, and that is the perfect breeding ground for resentment. Another being, your opinions are no longer your own. You will legitimately change your mind about something if your partner presents a strong argument. And to keep the peace, because you don't like to disagree or you're afraid of conflict, which that is definitely something that I have had to work on. I do not like conflict at all, but I've learned that I can't just go along with every goddamn thing that comes out of someone else's mind because I don't want to fight with them. Because in that, I've learned that I've betrayed myself every single time with accepting what they've said or going along with what they've said. And that has made me deal with the ramifications later. While they're going on their merry way, I'm dealing with the ramifications of not trusting myself and not standing up for what I wanted. And therefore, I found myself in a lot of different situations and experiences where I'm just like, if I would have said no to this person, I would not be dealing with this right now. Another one is you no longer pursue your own dreams dreams and goals. Your focus is your partner's dreams, your partner's goals, your partner's desires, your needs and wants. Those have left the chat. You don't even care. Those have been completely pushed aside and you've lost determination and dedication to learn and grow. You're unsure or you're uncomfortable with what you want and how you feel. And you put more effort in trying to help your partner than trying to figure out what's best for you. In essence, you're a proxy living your partner's life, but you're never going to be able to reap the benefits of your partner's life unless, you know, you're like a sugar baby or no hate to them. They found a dynamic that works for them, but that is not necessarily connection. And trust me, I can go on and on labeling and calling out behaviors that is self-compromise, but I'm only going to do two more. And with that, the second to last one is you are codependent with your partner. Now, I hesitate to use codependency because codependency was a theory that was created to help families deal with family members who were dealing with substance abuse. 
somehow it's become a trigger word on social media to say, oh, if you like being in a relationship, you are codependent. When that is not the case, that alone can be its own podcast episode. And I'm sure we will dive into that because I do think that it's something that is very important to know when you are in your dating journey, your dating experience, etc. But when you are codependent with your partner, you're not yourself. And if you remember what I said earlier, when you are existing as a false image of yourself, you are never able to be yourself. Therefore, you are existing in a false reality, a false sense of security and safety. So if you see that everything that you do centers around what you think your partner's opinion would be, there's a very good chance that you are codependent on that person. Which brings me to my next point, which is you are the only one that is compromising. Which I want you to keep in mind what I said earlier about compromising and collaborating when I talk about this. If you are the only person compromising in a relationship, then you are not compromising with them. You are self-compromising. And this can look like things like what you watch, what you eat, who to hang out with on the weekend. That's all up to your partner. And anytime you try to voice something different, there's an argument, there's a fight. And so you don't say anything because you don't want to deal with the pushback of having a different opinion or wanting to do something else. There's a lack of give and take between you and you're quick to compromise when your opinions differ. And if you look up and you look around, you realize that you're the only one to give in and settle for something else, something that they prefer, even if you don't like it. So it is okay to collaborate, to build an outcome that serves the both of you. What is not okay is to continually give into what they want because you don't want to rock the boat. And I realize being able to speak up and speak for yourself stems from having a high sense of self-esteem and a high sense of self-trust. And those are things that you can develop and you can work on and you can learn. And you can do that even while you are pursuing a connection. You don't have to be completely alone while you're growing. I do think that it's beneficial to some people to have their healing journey as an individual alone because you're able to pour more energy and focus into certain things. But I don't think that it is mandatory. So one of the ways to make sure you are not self-compromising in the name of connection is you develop boundaries, you develop relationship skills such as communication, you learn conflict management because that is something that you're going to have to do. You learn how to say no. And then after you learn how to say no, you learn how to say no and so what? So if someone is like, well, I want you to do this and you don't want to do it, you simply can say, no, I'm not going to do that. And so what? So what if you want that? I'm not going to do it. It doesn't feel comfortable for me. It doesn't feel good to me. So no, I'm not doing it. And I know that will get you a bad rap, especially for people who don't like to respect boundaries who want to have non-existent boundaries, who want to have a whole bunch of gray areas in the relationship, they're not going to like that. And they're going to say that you're hard-headed, you're hard to deal with, but your existence is not in existence simply to serve them. In toxic relationships, you are forced to choose between honesty and loyalty. You have to bite your tongue to protect their ego. But in healthy relationships, honesty is an expression of loyalty. You're allowed to speak your mind to help them grow, to help you grow. And when you have real trust and respect, 
you will see where the care will come in. So before I go, I want to talk about how to build self-trust with yourself because this along with building boundaries is the foundation of circumventing or avoiding self-compromising. The very first thing I want you to do is if you can sit down and write a list. It can be on your phone. It can be on pen and paper. Write a list of things that you have done in the past in relationships that you did not like, that you did not agree with, that you did not want to be doing. For example, it could be something as small as this. And I give you a personal story. I was once dating a guy who really liked seafood and I hate seafood. And he did not know this to his defense. He didn't know this. He took me to this really nice lobster dinner and was very, very, very upset when I put popcorn shrimp on my plate and that was it. And in that moment, a person could have asked me, why didn't why didn't you tell him you didn't like seafood? Because I was so willing to go along with everything that he wanted to do. I was like, I'm sure I can find something, even if it's just french fries. Now, Key, why were you doing that? So this is something that I would write on my list. Going to restaurants and places that have food that I know that I do not like. And so for number two, after you've written your list, I want you to come up with a way that you can either A, improve that, or B, completely change it. So for me, I quickly learned that I'm not going to go to establishments that I don't want to go to. I went on a date earlier this year with a guy, and the date was nice. It was great. But he asked me if I wanted to go to a club afterwards. And I'm not a clubber. I'm not a club person at all. And I was like, sure, um, I've never been. This will be the first time. I don't necessarily have the desire to go, but sure. We show up to a club for whatever reason. It didn't work out. We didn't end up going in. And he was like, well, we can't go to this club, but we can go to another one. And we were in separate cars and I was driving and I called my friend up and I said, he wants to take me to a club and I don't want to go. And she was like, why are you going then? And I said, because it's a date and, you know, you do what they want you to do. And she was like, I don't really think it works like that. And literally, I had to talk myself up to calling him and saying, hey, thanks so much for dinner, but I'm not going to go to the club. And he was so nice and kind about like, hey, you know, like if that's something that you don't want to do, you don't have to do it. And in that moment, I learned to speak up for myself because of the lobster dinner fiasco. I was like, okay, Key, why are you going to do something that you do not want to do? You don't owe him anything. So you do not have to go. So after you sit down, you write out this list of things that you don't want to be doing and you come up with a way that you can either improve that thing or completely change it. I want you to take the necessary initial action towards one of those things that you've come up with. And this does not only have to be in relationship things. It can be, I don't want to get on my phone in the morning. Like, I don't want to roll over and grab my phone and immediately start scrolling on social media. When you do these little things with yourself and you follow through to the end, you start building trust with yourself. So you've written it down. You have a plan. You've taken the initial action. I want you to follow through with this plan every single day. And it just needs to be one singular goal. Consistency over a couple of weeks will create new habits. And when we create new habits, we prove to ourselves that we can trust ourselves. And once you feel good about this and you've created a new habit, it's time to move on to the next item on that list. And before you know it, you'll be in situations and instances where you know that you have sound judgment. You can trust yourself that you're going to put yourself in the very 
best situation to achieve the best outcome that is going to serve you fully. So once you've built trust with yourself, you're going to start building interdependent relationships. So these are relationships where you're able to communicate, support, and respect both of your own and your partner's values, goals, and needs. You're going to be able to practice commitment, curiosity, and responsiveness. You're going to be able to create safety to foster vulnerability. You're going to be able to accept one another as you are. You're going to learn how to say no and set healthy boundaries, stand up for yourself, support each other, but you don't have to fix each other. You're going to take responsibility for your actions accountability. You're going to practice active listening and clear communication. You're going to nurture your relationship, practice self-awareness, build a healthy sense of self-worth. You're going to be able to trust each other, nurture your friendships and your family relationships, because if your relationship is cutting these two very important dynamics off, there's something wrong with that relationship. And so before I go, here are two things to remember. Intrinsic value is actually just self-worth repackaged. And this is based upon your ideals, your beliefs, your culture, who you're around, your social status. Now, there's a difference between self-worth and self-esteem. Self-worth is how you feel you are valued in the eyes of other people. Self-esteem is how you feel about yourself. So know that attention is not love, attachment is not connection, and the bare minimum is not effort. I really hope you got something from today's podcast and you enjoyed it. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. If you like the pod, please rate, subscribe, and share it with a friend. That would mean so much to me. And as always, if you hated the pod, go ahead and send me a MLA formatted essay with your sources cited to aqcpod at gmail.com. If you want to see more day-to-day content from me, go ahead and follow me on my Instagram and TikTok at Kishana or my podcast Instagram at A Quarter in a Crisis. And stay tuned for the YouTube channel, which will be coming very soon. Talk to you so soon. Bye.